Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everyone, thank you for downloading another very special episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry. And this week, on this episode, we are going to recap Week 15 action within college football, and then we'll also preview Week 16, and then we'll get into some other topics along the way. So how about we just dive right in, and we'll start with my recap of my Power 5 locks within the Power 5 conferences. In the ACC, I had Pitt over Georgia Tech. Pitt got the victory 34-20. In this game, Pitt had 513 total yards of offense in this matchup including 317 yards rushing. Good golly, that's a lot of yards rushing. The defense was also able to force three turnovers from Georgia Tech. So Pittsburgh played a very, very impressive game in all phases of the game. And the big stud of the game for Pittsburgh was running back Vincent Davis, who on 25 carries rushed for 247 yards and one touchdown. So very nice victory for Pittsburgh. I get the victory in the ACC in the Big Ten. We had Northwestern, Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern, over Illinois. Northwestern got the victory 28-10. Northwestern rushed for 411 yards over Illinois' defense. I don't know where it was at. I don't know if they even showed up. But Northwestern, good God, that's a lot of yards rushing, 411. Northwestern's running back, Evan Hull, he rushed for 149 yards on 13 carries with one touchdown. And Northwestern's other running back, Cam Porter, also rushed for over 100 yards. He had 142 yards on 24 carries with two touchdowns. If you can believe it or not, this was the first game since 2012 where two Northwestern players each rushed for over 120 yards in a game. So very impressive outing for Northwestern. That's crazy when you can rack up that type of yardage against Illinois, who they, you know, their head coach is Lovey Smith, a guy that is is known for his defense. And the fact that they were able to rack up that many yards on Illinois, yikes, that's crazy. The 411 yards are the most rushing by Northwestern in a game since rushing for 444 yards against Illinois in 2003. So it's been a while, but they've they put up big numbers against Illinois in the past. And, you know, certainly I'm not trying to cape for Illinois by any means, but Northwestern, they put out a fire tweet about the fact that they rushed for 411 yards uh, against Illinois. But does Northwestern remember when Illinois rushed for like 500 yards (laughs) in that 2010 game at Wrigley Field? Does anybody remember that? I think Michael LaShore, he rushed for 330 yards that day on 33 carries with two touchdowns. So, you know, it's it's one thing to rub it in the faces of Illinois fans or, you know, put it out there in, on social media that, you know, they had this many rushing yards against Illinois. But don't forget when Illinois rushed all over you at that Wrigley Field game. I mean, 519 yards rushing, that's embarrassing. And maybe it's a distant memory for a lot of folks, but I remember that day vividly. I remember watching Mr. LaShore run all over Northwestern, made him look silly. But I guess that's not the point. That's that's in the past for sure. But Northwestern, they're on to 
bigger and better things now. They're going to face Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game where they most certainly will be underdogs. And if they're able to do the unthinkable and beat and upset Ohio State, that would be such a great story. That'd be a great finish for this crazy year that 2020 has been. And we've seen the Big Ten make some adjustments to their rules in regards to how many games a team needs to play in order to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. I think that would be the craziest story, the craziest karma, if Northwestern, Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern, does the unthinkable and beats Ohio State. That would be amazing. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. I don't I don't give them much of a shot at all. But if they do it, that is a crazy story, a crazy finish, and a crazy win, quality win for Coach Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, he's done a remarkable job at that program at Northwestern. I think he is a great coach for Northwestern. I don't know that he's a great coach on the NFL. I would probably say, if I were to predict how he would do, I would say he probably wouldn't do well in the NFL. That system that he runs at Northwestern works for the Wildcats. And the fact that there's really no pressure at Northwestern. If you win seven games at Northwestern or even six games at Northwestern and qualify for a bowl, I think most fans are happy with that. And the fact that they are now in their second Big Ten championship game, I think fans are elated. You know, I I think it's, you know, you're playing with house money at that point. No one expects you to be that competitive in the Big Ten. But the fact that you're beating the likes of Wisconsin and Iowa and and being dominant in the Big Ten and his track record at Northwestern, I mean, that's, he is, he is doing a remarkable job. And if I was Pat Fitzgerald, why would you want to leave? You know, it's nice to entertain offers to go to other programs or to go to, to the NFL potentially. But I'm comfortable. My, I'm raising a family in Evanston. I'm from Evanston. I played at Northwestern. Like everything is comfortable. There's no pressure. The great facilities. Why leave that? And I don't know that he will. Honestly, I wouldn't. But if he can do the unthinkable and beat Ohio State, he will be a legend. If we move on to the Pac-12, I had the Buffaloes of Colorado over Utah. I got the loss here, 38-21. to This is Utah's fourth straight victory over Colorado. Colorado's defense was unable to slow down this Utes offense. Running back Ty Jordan had a productive day for Utah. He rushed for 147 yards on 17 carries with two touchdowns. It's also worth mentioning that Brendan Rice, the son of NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Rice, Scored twice in this game for the Buffaloes. Braden had an 81-yard punt return for a touchdown, as well as a 61-yard catch for a score. So he had a really great day for Colorado despite the loss. And the last Colorado player to record a touchdown on both a reception and a punt return in the same game was Walter Stanley against Texas Tech on September 12, 1981. And so cherry picking wasn't even born yet. It's been that long ago. So that's a tremendous feat for a young Brendan Rice, who I believe is a freshman at Colorado. So hopefully the future is bright for that young man. So I got the loss there out of the Pac-12. And then I had another pick in the Pac-12. I had USC over UCLA. I got the victory 43-38. to And if you heard my podcast last week, I said don't count UCLA out of this matchup. It's a rivalry game. And UCLA has been 
in some of their matchups this season against some really good teams. And so I I gave UCLA a shot. I thought that they might have an opportunity to upset USC. And they came close, um, but it it wasn't uh, meant to be. The defenses seemed to be non-existent in this game. These teams racked up a combined 993 total yards of offense. USC actually trailed 28-10 early in the third quarter before scoring touchdowns on five of its seven second-half drives. USC was still down 35-23 at the start of the fourth quarter before USC's quarterback Keaton Slovis led the Trojans on a comeback. Slovis threw for 344 yards on 30 of 47 passing for five touchdowns and two interceptions. UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who I feel is who has been there for a while, maybe that's just me, he went 30 for 36 for 364 yards for four touchdowns and two interceptions. Like I said, coming into this game, I thought UCLA might stand a chance in this game, but they were unable to overcome the 20 points USC laid on them in the fourth quarter to make any sort of realistic upset in this game even though they were they were close I mean there were there were moments where UCLA looked like they were going to pull it off but the Trojans just seemed to be too much the Trojans clinched the Pac-12 South title earlier in the day when Utah beat Colorado so USC will now host the Pac-12 championship game on Friday versus Washington So I got the victory there out of the Pac-12. And then out of the SEC, I got a very surprising loss. Florida over LSU. LSU got the upset victory 37-34. Offensively, Florida seemed to lead LSU in every statistical category, but the three turnovers certainly did the Gators in during its matchup against the Tigers in what would be one of the foggiest college football games I've ever seen played on TV. LSU was able to secure the road upset to number 6 Florida thanks to a last-minute field goal that was made possible only because Gators cornerback Marco Wilson threw a shoe. That's right, he threw a shoe, which resulted in a personal foul penalty that kept the drive alive. So Mr. Wilson, I'm sure, is probably beating himself up right now. His teammates are probably beating him up because... You do something so stupid and so boneheaded as as throw the opponent's shoe across the field and then you get penalized for it. You keep the the LSU Tigers drive alive and they ultimately win the game. That's that is heartbreaking. Welcome to heartbreak. The Tigers were stopped on third down late in the fourth quarter when Kobe Taylor he caught a pass six yards short of the first down marker, forcing what would have most likely been a punt before the shoe-throwing incident happened. Coach Dan Mullen was asked about his team's playoff resume moving forward with this loss, and he said, and I quote, I don't have a vote on that. I'm not in the room, he said. I know we played 10 games, so I guess the best thing to do would have been to play less games because you seem to get rewarded for not playing this year in college football, end quote. So it sounds like a little bit of shade thrown towards Ohio State and the fact that they only played five games they're going to go to the Big Ten championship game where they're most likely will be in the playoffs most people suspect so I mean the shade is heavy there I can pick up on all that shade that he's throwing down but he's not wrong I mean Florida has looked impressive I mean even despite this loss I, I wouldn't say that they're not one of the better teams in college football this season you know and it's a shame that it their chances of making the playoffs probably end with this loss to LSU. 
if they can beat Alabama, you know, maybe things get interesting, but you know, I don't suspect that they will beat Alabama. I would have given them that shot had they won against LSU, taken care of business and beaten a LSU team that is nowhere near the quality that we've seen, you know, last season. All the players are gone. I think they only had 54 players on the roster for this game due to COVID and and suspensions and whatnot. This should have been slight work for Florida. And they get upset at home. That's that's embarrassing. There's no there's no place for that and unfortunately I think they lost their shot or any chance they had of making it to the playoffs. But, you know, he's not wrong with that comment that play less games you get rewarded. Big the Big 10 only played the teams within the Big 10. Many of them didn't even get a chance to play. I'm not going to say many. A couple of them didn't even play five games this season. So the fact that Ohio State's going to probably most likely make it to the playoffs with that type of record, it is what it is. It's unfortunate. But, you know, he's not he's not wrong. I mean, SEC, they're playing tough ball this season, even amid COVID. So, you know, they didn't do themselves any favor by losing to LSU in the way they, they, they that they did. That should have been slight work. And unfortunately, they're probably going to be outside the playoffs looking in. So good luck to them this weekend against Alabama, but that is a rough loss. And that actually rounds out my top five power five locks for week 15 action. I went three and two. Overall, I'm 52 and 12. I'm making these predictions straight up. And so this week for week 16, I'm going to try to get it right. But before we get into it, I'm going to take a short break, a quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. What's going on? It's Casey Callan, host of the Characters of Boxing and Beyond podcast. I'm here in beautiful Charm City, and I just want to remind you about a new book from Clear Contender Media. It's called How They Got Their Billions. We're exploring the business stories of pro football's 32 NFL owners. Every NFL team is worth well over a billion dollars these days. Some NFL owners amass their fortune through inherited wealth, oil exploration, but other stories are more far-fetched than fiction. So this new book, How They Got Their Billions, by me, kind of exploring the different path that all of today's 32 NFL owners took to acquire their fortune and team. So definitely check this book out. It's available right now clearcontender.com slash books or you can find it on Amazon and uh, have a good one everyone want to know what life is really like after the game is all over real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on after orange slices even if you don't like sports pro athletes former college stars celebrities coaches public speakers doctors and all kinds of experts join the show and there's a little bit of something for everybody Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Now we're going to get into my Week 16 Power 5 predictions within the Power 5 conferences, so we'll go ahead and start this off in the ACC. I'm going Notre Dame over Clemson, only because I like chaos. Notre Dame beat Clemson several weeks ago uh, without Trevor Lawrence, who was sidelined due to COVID-related uh, symptoms. Notre Dame got that upset victory at home. Do you remember that game when all the students rushed the field after the game and Brian Kelly and all the coaches and the players had to try to get off the field because that's such a huge COVID risk? And that game almost seemed like it was at full capacity. And I know each state has different rules for 
you know, how spectators can watch games live and in person. But for that game, it, it, it felt like it was a pretty packed stadium because when the, the students rushed the field, it it looked like it was a, just a huge sea of Irish fans. So Notre Dame got the victory in that matchup. I'm just saying Notre Dame in this matchup because I like chaos. It would be awesome to see Clemson not represented in the playoffs this year. I think it's going to be a tough game regardless, but I'm only picking this because I like chaos. I'm not even a Notre Dame fan. I mean, if you if you know me, I don't really like that team like that. But I respect the history of Notre Dame and what it represents for college football. And it would be a great story if Notre Dame can beat Clemson and make it to the playoffs. Notre Dame has been playing very well this season. They're undefeated. Ian Book is looking like a G. He has the most wins in Irish football history. So this guy is already legendary status if you can beat Clemson this weekend that'll just push him more into the lore of Notre Dame fans so take Notre Dame over Clemson in the Big Ten Ohio State over Northwestern Chicago's Big Ten team Northwestern I want to pull for Northwestern in this game I want them to beat Ohio State I don't know how likely that will be honestly they just these two teams are just on different levels. And I respect what Pat Fitzgerald has done for the Northwestern program. I really do. I think Northwestern is playing up. They've been playing up for quite some time under Pat Fitzgerald. I just don't think they have enough to beat Ohio State. I hope to God that they do. That would be crazy karma if they beat Ohio State. But I'm, I'm just being honest. I don't think they, they're going to do it. So Ohio State over Northwestern. Then in the, in the Big 12, I'm taking Iowa State over Oklahoma. Oklahoma is is the team. Oklahoma is that brand that we all know. And they're, they just seem to reload every season. But Iowa State, they've been, they've been steady in the lab, working on building this culture for the last five or six seasons. Like they've slowly been building this program up to what it is right now. Quarterback Brock Purdy has been the man for Iowa State for quite some time, and I would love to see Iowa State cap off their their run here with a Big Twelve championship over Oklahoma. That would be that would be an awesome story, and so I'm just gonna pick Iowa State because I'm I hope that they can do it. You know, like I said, these these picks are chaos at this point. I'm just picking chaos. So Iowa State over Oklahoma. And then in the SEC, I'm taking Texas A&M over Tennessee. This should be slight work for Texas A&M. And then in the SEC, I'm taking Bama over Florida. And you heard it on the other side of that break. I would have given Florida a legitimate shot to possibly beating and upsetting Alabama, but that loss to LSU really exposed a lot of things to me. And so the fact that they lost that game doesn't give me much confidence that they can upset Alabama, who has looked very impressive. They look like the best team in college football this season. I just don't think that the Gators legitimately have a shot to beat Alabama this weekend. So with that, I'm taking Bama over Florida. So I'll recap my Week 16 predictions for you guys one more time. These are straight-up predictions. My Power 5 locks in the ACC, Notre Dame over Clemson. In the Big Ten, Ohio State over Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. In the Big 12, Iowa State over Oklahoma. In the SEC, Texas A&M over Tennessee. And in the SEC, Bama over Florida. 
So I'm hoping to go 5-0 and this week. Last week I went 3-2, and one of my worst weeks ever. I'm going to try to go 5-0 and this week. Let's see if we can do it. And so it should be a fun weekend, championship weekend for a lot of conferences this weekend. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Before we get out of here, I want to get into some other news. So this past weekend, Army-Navy game. This was the first time that the Navy game, Army-Navy game was played up at West Point. So it was the first meeting between these two teams at West Point since 1943. This game is generally historically played in Philadelphia at the link. But due to the PA restrictions uh, around COVID-19 and the, and the fact that fans aren't allowed to be at games, they decided to move this game up to West Point this time for the first time since 1943. Army posts a first shutout in this series since 1969. So Army got the victory 15 to nothing. It was a foggy game up at West Point and the Black Knights are 8-2 and two, and they posted their first shutout in the series since a 27-0 victory in 1969. And so now they've won four of five against Navy and they had lost all three games played previously at West Point to the midshipmen, including 13-0 in 1943 during World War II. So it's just crazy how far this series goes back and, you know, in our American history, it's crazy. Navy, however, leads the all-time series at 61 wins, 53 losses, and 7 ties. So, crazy game. I hope to get to this game at some point. I don't know that they're playing in Philly next year. I want to say I want to say they're down in at uh, FedEx Field next year, I want to say. But generally, this game is played in Philly, and it is my hope one of these days to cover this game and to report on this game in Philly. I would love it. That would be a bucket list type thing for me. And so I'm going to put it out there. That's, you know, a goal that I would like to achieve at some point, but it's always a fun, fun game to watch. Usually it's the last game of the season of the regular season this year with COVID-19 and the scheduling. It wasn't the last game that we see prior to heading into the bowl season, but it's still a lot of history, a lot of pageantry, and it's a, it's a cool thing army navy so hopefully next year or in a couple years i can go check that game out in person then as you know ohio state is headed to the big 10 championship game they were allowed the opportunity to play in this game after a vote uh this past week and so in that vote and i'll read it to you there was a statement that was released from the big 10 that says ohio state will advance to the big 10 football championship game the decision was voted on by the big 10 conference administrators council and made in collaboration with the Big Ten presidents and chancellors and the Big Ten Conference. This statement was released on December 9th to the media, and it says, and I quote, The Big Ten Conference Administrators Council, which includes the directors of athletics and senior women administrators from all 14 member institutions, voted today to eliminate the minimum game requirement for participation in the 2020 Big Ten Football Championship game. The decision was made in collaboration with the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors and the conference office. The decision was based on a competitive analysis which determined that Ohio State would have advanced to the Big Ten football championship game based on its undefeated record and head-to-head victory over Indiana regardless of a win or loss against Michigan. As a result of the decision, Ohio State will represent the East Division in the 2020 Big Ten football championship game against Northwestern. 
The conference continues to prioritize the health and safety of our student-athletes and remains flexible and united with its 14-member institutions and partners during these unprecedented times, end quote. So there you have it. There's their statement. They, they voted. It was unanimous. And so they're going to the Big Ten Championship game. I don't need to say any more about that. You heard what I said previously when I made my predictions for Week 16. Northwestern, everybody's rooting for you, man. Beat Ohio State. Beat them. I don't think it's going to happen, but if you beat them, that would be a crazy story. That would be crazy karma and one hell of a finish to a wild 2020 season that, in my opinion, shouldn't have happened in the first place. We'll see what happens, but good luck to both of those teams in the Big Ten Championship game this weekend. Then, as you know, Kevin Sumlin, he was fired from his job, his head coaching job at Arizona. They got embarrassed to Arizona State. I think it was 70-7 on Friday night, and they fell to 0-5 on the season. And that ultimately cost coach Kevin Sumlin his job. The school announced on Saturday that it dismissed Sumlin after his third season on the job. Defensive coordinator Paul Rhodes will serve as interim coach. Sumlin was 9-20 in his three seasons in Tucson. He lost 12 straight games dating back to last season. The Wildcats' last win under head coach Kevin Sumlin came on October 5th, 19, came on, came on October 5th, 2019, when they beat Colorado 35 to 30. Overall, the Wildcats have regressed in each of Sumlin's three seasons at the program, and so as a result, he is fired. I don't think there was anyone more happy than Lance Briggs, Chicago Bears' own Lance Briggs. And if you follow him on Twitter, he's an interesting follow for sure. He tweeted after the uh, after he after someone lost his job. He says, "God is good. I don't want to hear about any interviews unless the potential coach went to Arizona or has Arizona football ties. Bear down." I'm just saying this. Why don't we throw Lance Briggs' name out there? Would he want to be a coach, or does he have any interest in that? I mean, he. Certainly is passionate about the program. He is a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He deserves to be a Hall of Famer. But, I mean, this guy has a lot of passion. And he loves his program. Why not put your name into the hat to be a coach, Lance? I'm sure you've got a lot of great insights. A lot of great uh, football uh, ability, football acumen to maybe put this program on the map. That's just my opinion, but... I wish the Arizona program luck in finding its new head coach. But with that, I want to get out of here. I want to thank you all for downloading this show. I appreciate the support and the follows. Hope you all are staying safe this holiday season. And I hope you enjoy watching college football this upcoming weekend. There's a lot of exciting games to watch and to enjoy. So I hope you're doing it safely. Hope you guys have a great holiday season. I can't wait to talk to you again very, very soon. But with that, I'm going to sign out. I'm going to sign off. Be well, everybody. Take care. Welcome to Heartbreak. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin'. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. 
I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.